we're here with uh, David Levake and Lauren Nelson, uh, co-authors of Tourney Time, uh, I guess a, a history book on 75 years of the Minnesota State Boys yeah. Hockey Tournament. Uh, first question, how was this never done before? Is it just the sheer size of it that uh, maybe scared some people away, do you guys think? Um, you know, that's a good question why. I, I kept, as we started this process of putting it together, my fear was that we were going to come across a book like it that we just somehow hadn't heard of. And there were only three books really in the vein of what we're doing, and none of them uh, had stories. Yeah. Um, actually, a fourth book, if you count our friend Jim Hoy's uh, Puck Heaven trivia books, they didn't have the scope, they didn't have the stories, and so as, as time went on, I realized that nobody has done it, and having been through it now, having been part of the 400 interviews and helping to assemble 200 photographs, it is a monster of a, of a project, so it probably did, it probably did feel a little daunting to people. I'd say no one was crazy enough to try to tackle yeah. it before. Except, you know, we're, we're just the two knuckleheads to try to get this thing done. Uh, you know, if, if you think about it, it took us three years and that's two of us working pretty hard on yeah. it. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, if I was just trying to do this solo, it would be it would be a pretty big mountain that I'm not sure I'd want to climb. When, when you guys were the only ones doing something like this, how did you decide on a format? Well, we, we had an idea from the get-go that we wanted the book to go from start to finish all 75 years what we weren't quite certain of was going with one chapter for every year that was our acquisitions editor at the minnesota historical society press uh he had the uh, vision to say we want uh every uh chapter of the book to represent every year of the tournament because we because we weren't sure okay do we do we you know do we do International Falls of the 60s in a certain way, Bloomington Jefferson of the 90s in a certain way where we combine them. And his, his message back to us was, no, give us a chapter for each uh, year of the tournament, which was great because then we had the framework. Uh, and, and we, I don't know, we had ideas from the get-go about who would cover what teams. Um, we had, we each had different ends with, with different uh, programs and, and then you know, we sorted out the rest, and, and until we reach, you know, it arrived at basically as close to 50-50 as we could get. Now, you guys both have uh, a history of watching the tournament. Did you learn something that you you didn't know in during those years that you thought you knew? Huh. If you know what yeah, I mean. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I learned. I learned how little I knew about the tournament. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's what I learned. I, I attended it. You know, I was a high school kid in the in the '80s, just uh, loving every second of the tournament. And you know, going to it was just like the greatest thing in my life. It was the state fair and the Fourth of July and Christmas all rolled into one. Going to the the state tournament, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how much I loved that thing and how cool it was. So yeah, I learned. You know, I, but you get behind the scenes with with Willard Eichela and and some of these coaches and the players, and they're talking about these things that happened in the locker room and on the bus and in, and in hotel rooms, and and uh, you're like, wow, there's there's a lot of drama 
you know, these teams come out on the ice, but, uh, you know, who's the starting goaltender is going to be and all these other, you know, who's injured and then how, how injured they are and all these just little things, stories. That's what the book is, just a bunch of we're just telling stories. Uh, you don't know. You're just sitting at the game watching. So that was a lot of fun to kind of learn, again, learn how much I didn't know about the tournament. And to echo Lauren's point, if you go back to the early years of the tournament, we went in knowing full well that there was very little we really knew. And the challenge was going to be, okay, who's alive that we can talk to? And, and what, what sort of you know, newspaper coverage is available and how, how detail-oriented was the coverage? Because those were going to be uh, the foundation of, of those chapters. And well, to our great delight, we, we were able to find at least two or three uh, people that could speak to each chapter and so then you think all right now you come back to the closer to the modern day and you think okay this is going to be great there's coverage everywhere there's video no problem you know and then you go wait a minute what are we going to say about 2005 Lakeville uh, North that wasn't already excuse me 2015 Lakeville North that wasn't already written yeah and and that presents a, a new challenge in and of itself and so now you had to find a way uh, to use your gift of time and and perspective to be able to talk to these players and learn new things. So uh, whether it was the old days or even the, the modern times, the challenge was really the same. Find stories and, and insights that, that aren't widely known. And, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, just, just reading some of the, the, the more modern chapters, you know, a lot of us remember, you know, um, you know Kyle Rao diving and, you know, maybe the, one of the more spectacular goals ever in state tournament. But you guys kind of went behind the scenes. You started off that chapter by talking about his decision to come back to Eden Prairie. So, I mean, was that something that you guys envisioned was, let's not just tell the score, let's just not tell, you know, who won the championship, but to really go behind the scenes and, and give us a little perspective of something that we didn't know? Yeah, I mean, that's what Dave and I love to do. We love to tell stories. We're storytellers. And all the information about the tournament that's come before, uh, and great work, uh, by the way, by a lot of people, uh, was basically kind of uh, glorified box scores. Yeah, <laughs> well, was, I, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to be down on that thing. But so it's collecting data and, and sharing it because that's hard work too. You know, to and we use a lot of that to understand where we're going to go with our reporting and tell these stories. But um, yeah, so to get behind the scenes and, th and that's what again, that's what we love to do. We love to tell these stories. It's hard work storytelling uh, to really try to figure out what that Eden Prairie team is an example, what made them tick, you know, you know, what led up to that Kyle Rao diving, sliding incredible goal that we saw. What what was the you know, what was the what were all the factors that led up to that goal and uh, that was a lot of fun yeah. for us. Was there uh in all this research that you went in looking to what uh, that's a state tournament I want to do some more research on or or a tournament that jumped out that you didn't think would be that interesting to you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. You have you have one off the top of your head, Lauren? Yeah, I, w I was just thinking about you know. And if you asked me this tomorrow, I'd probably come up with a, a different one. But I, I I didn't know anything about Anoka. And David's my year guy. So what year did Anoka win? Uh, two thousand two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand three. Anoka. I knew nothing about Anoka. I had no real connections with okay. the coaches or the players at that time. And you know, I wasn't around. I didn't see that tournament. I, you know, it just it wasn't it wasn't in my wheelhouse as far sure. as I, I was told. And when I got got into the reporting, uh, pretty 
there's all kinds of really interesting things that happened with that team uh, leading up to the tournament and at the tournament where uh, I don't know how much I want to give away, but uh, you know, one, it turns out one of the their key defensemen, uh, I can't remember if it was a quarterfinal or a semifinal, but he's, he's getting putting his skates on before the game, before warm-ups, and he notices there's a crack in the, the steel. And, uh, he's, you know, he's their, their number two defenseman. And at that time, 2003, it's not like you can just pop the blade up and put a new one in, right? Yep. It's, uh, yep. it's, you gotta, you got to start messing around with the rivets and the blades and taking them apart, and it's, it's warm-up time. Yep. So it's... <laughs> And like the coach, like I don't, even, I didn't even know. I, mean, I try to call the kid's dad, but then what's he gonna do? You know, it's like not, not like not like they had ability to fix it. So anyway, uh, one of the guys, uh, one of their other defensemen, says, "Hey, coach, I got I got the same model skate. I got the same size skate. He can wear mine." And uh, so he, the kid gives up his skates to his teammate. And if you watch the end of that game, uh, the video of it, you'll see like the team go mob, mob. Uh, you know, at the end of the game, they go out and mob uh, the the guys who are out there, and you see one kid with all his gear on, but running out with his Doc Martens, uh, <laughs> going to jump into the pile, and it's it's hilarious, and and, and that's why we called that one band of brothers because that team was really tight knit, and they were willing to literally uh, give up the skates off their feet to each other to uh, to win a tournament. So, I mean, and that's just one example of these stories sure. that you just. You just start doing the reporting and talking to coaches and players, and, and these things come up, and it's just you know it's fantastic. With with, the, with the pleasure of uh, of writing about uh, the year with Apple Valley and Duluth East. Nineteen ninety six. That was my baby. I had uh, I had written a twenty year retrospective of, of that both the ninety five and the ninety six tournaments okay. uh, for the Star Tribune just a few years ago, and. And I thought, geez, I, I, I thought that I had kind of exhausted everything there was to say about those tournaments. And then you realize, no, <clears throat> there's a lot more to say. And sure. uh, a friend of mine in officiating says, you got to talk to Rick Larson. Rick Larson was on the officiating crew for the Apple Valley Duluth East game. That's awesome. And he comes home, uh, he drove down to his house in Egan. You know, it's, it's, now, it's now, you know, after 2 o'clock in the morning when he gets home. And he parks his car in the garage. And he tries to get out, and he can't because his legs have cramped up, and he can't move. <laughs> so, so it's like, well, okay, that's a great way to start that ch- chapter. And then, you know, we, we got into a little bit more of the, the, the psychology of, of uh, Apple Valley goaltender Carl Gehring. Yeah. You know, te- teammates didn't know what they had because they thought, you know, in the, the year prior in 95, uh, he, had lost, he had played poorly when they lost to Bloomington Jefferson in the playoffs. And they weren't sure what they had, and, sure. and Eric Westrom tested him. You know, the the, the, the uh, pugnacious forward Eric Westrom was, you know, tested him. And and then during the game, Carl was having trouble kind of keeping his focus and not not getting ahead of himself. So there was a lot more to say again behind the scenes that really uh, not only told the story of that game, but gave you a sense of, of why that Apple Valley team uh, won it all that year. Hey, one thing I want to add to that—you you always forget to tell the best part about when the the ref actually got into the house and climbed into into bed. What did his wife tell him? Well, he, he, he gets into his he gets into his house and he's like, "Okay, good. I didn't wake up my wife and my two young daughters." Then his wife rolls over and she says, "I told you not to go to the bar after the game." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a memorable one. I. Uh, not to show my age, but I think I had a 13-inch TV, and I was maybe a freshman in high school watching that game in my room, and that was a, that was a fun night watching uh, that battle. Go ahead. I Dad. was there. Oh, were you? 
I left early. Oh. <laughs> we, we went back to uh, the girlfriend who I was dating at the time. I was with her and her father because he's still a season ticket holder for the state mm. tournament. They live a few miles outside of downtown St. Paul. We drove back. We're thinking, all right, maybe the late the, lo- the local news might come on for some reason and we'll catch a score. And nope, the game was still on and kept going a while. It, it didn't end until one thirty nine. One thirty nine in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> yeah. Now with all the different uh, teams and coaches and ways to win, did you find any similarities? I know it's it's not quite as simple as the team with the best players always wins. Yeah, I think I think that that Anoka story. Um, there's variations of that throughout these teams where they are willing to do anything and everything for their teammate, for their team, for their town, for their coach to win a tournament. Uh, they're pretty they're pretty tight knit groups. So there there were some teams that didn't really have any stars that were were not expected to win and did. And I think a lot of times you talk to those guys and you'll hear that hey we. We were just playing for each other and for our coach. We we got along well. We were friends, um, and we were just tight. And that that's what kind of helped us win. And that's kind of a recurring theme, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Every every season for every team or every game, big game has a turning point. There were there was the sacrifices made. There was uh, people stepping up. Uh, and then the other common theme that that you know runs through this book is is passion. I mean, these kids are at an impressionable age when they play in this tournament, and what they accomplish together uh, remains big, whether you know, we talk to people that were in their 80s or we talk to kids that were just a, a year or two removed from, from high school. But the passion has maintained throughout the years, and, and I think that's what keeps drawing people back year after year is, is that you see kids playing for each other, playing for the love of the sport, playing for their towns, and uh, people, you know, I think it, it, it gives people a, a good feeling to know that they're watching. Uh, and, and let's not forget skilled. I mean, from the early days of the tournament, guys you would see went on to not only be college stars, you know, some of them were Olympic stars and, and stood out on national teams, and, and that's continued. So it's a, it's a very, very passionate and a very, very skilled brand of hockey. It always was from 45 right through till now. How did you, as the authors, approach the transition from one class system to tier one, tier two to class A, class double A, or did you? How did you approach that that controversial topic? Yeah, I, Lauren was asked the other day what the dividing you know was 1969 the, the kind of the biggest moment in, in the evolution of the state tournament. And Lauren said, he goes, well, he goes that might have been or 1992 when they split it the when they split the tournament. Um, I covered and wrote about the the split and and what went into it and. There were people who were initially opposed that wound up seeing the light. Uh, there were people who, uh, one, one uh, tournament uh, official said he lost friends over the whole thing. So it was a very heated debate. We gave it uh, two pages uh, where we, had, you know, we went through uh, some of the major uh, p- uh, the people who were involved, the, their viewpoints, uh, the, the fact that it went to uh, the legislature, which, you know, right. it, was, it, was a, it was a pretty big deal at the time. and. Uh, situation yeah we we gave that about a thousand words to explain some of the key points in that timeline um, I think that tier one and tier two did not solve the issue that uh, a couple of guys were, were trying to resolve and that was guys by the name of George Larson who had been a coach at Brooklyn Center Herb Sellers who had been a coach at Chisholm uh, they had called for 
the two tournaments is going back as far as the 1970s and right. we're, we're shut out of meetings and, and you know we're just ignored and, and we're screamed at it but over time uh, they their their work kept pushing and creating momentum toward uh, what they wanted which was a two class tournament they didn't even like two tiers they wanted two class and so we, we, we brought all that together in a couple of pages to explain how we got here and, and uh, why it was such a big topic. Yeah, we, I just want to say we divided the, the kind of the, the years up in three blocks, the early years, the, the years of the auditorium. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we called it the golden era in 69. That's when they went to the Met Center and, uh, you know, they doubled the attendance. And that's when, when the hockey tournament uh, surpassed basketball, really. Uh, basketball was the, the boys basketball was the, the state tournament. And then hockey uh, overtook that, uh, going to the bigger venue and of course 69 is the year Edina came of age as the villain uh, the team everyone wants to hate because of because of the Henry Boucher hit and, and uh, knocking him out of the game and and all that there's t- tons of uh, backstories to go into that so 69 and then of course uh, David mentioned when when the tourney split into two that was another big dividing point and, and almost all of these blocks of that we split up into came in, in around chunks of 25 years give or take so it kind of made it easy for us to divide things up that way yeah you know I, I, I think David said to me you know you, you guys are now at the point after all this years of work kind of that uh, that swan song and so uh, of kind of just you know sitting back and seeing the work complete book is going to be out uh, I think David said uh, hopefully here in February what, what? I got one I've got one in my hands I don't Woo! need to cut you off but we got the advanced <laughs> copies last night they, they awesome. just gave us two of them and so now when you can actually hold it and smell it now it's real and I felt <laughs> I, I felt like I was 50 feet tall but then I came back down to earth because I already found an error in uh, <laughs> on one of the pages and Lauren and Lauren and I have started a Google Doc with errors in the hard copy and I've already put entry number one in there <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna say I mean what you know what is the next you know um, couple months like for for a, a writer I mean it's almost like when you see your your story come to life your first story come to life in a newspaper um, uh, you know, you you're, you got to be excited to to hear reactions. I mean, you've you've seen you've seen some uh, some reactions from you know the loon nanny types, uh, but I mean the state high school league tournament is in in a, you know six weeks here, or so and uh, it's got to be an exciting thing for an author to to see the work come come to life. Yeah, I haven't touched the the hard copy yet. I'm looking forward to, to doing that, but it's it's almost surreal. You know, it's I don't know when when it'll really kick in that uh, this thing is is out in the people's in people's hands but it's it's really fun to hear people talk about uh what they they liked in the book because everyone kind of has their era that they go to or their team or their player and there's a little something for everybody in there and that's it's really kind of fun to hear what they what they found the most interesting and, and and also it's gratifying we don't know these are stories that we like and thought things that we found interesting but how do you know uh, it's going to connect with people. You don't. You really don't until it, it comes out. And you get start getting some feedback. Yeah, and I, I just thought like, yeah, you guys had not just uh, just to give a little little more information. Not only are we going year by year, but you're also doing some pullouts. You're doing top ten lists, uh, which were fantastic. And those those probably take just as much time uh, than a than a story just to kind of compile and make sure you're not forgetting things because. 75 years of history of the tournament is a lot to look at certain players certain games certain coaches and stuff like that so 
um, it's a wonderful read. And uh, tell us, tell us, uh, David, where where will this be available when it's available? Uh, you can pre-order this book right now at a website that Lauren created, and it's simply Legacy Hockey. When you go to that site, you will see a tab for Attorney Time, and you will be able to follow the ordering information. And yes, you can order it at Amazon. Yes, you can order it through the Minnesota Historical Society Press. But if you go to Legacy.Hockey, you will get a personalized autograph from both of the authors uh, before we, we before we send it out to you. So uh, those are the, the different places where you can pick up the book. We are anticipating that the uh, wider distribution of the hard copies will be in mid-February, just as we're getting into the sections. Yep. Uh, certainly in time for the state tournament. And, uh, yeah, I hope that uh, people will, wherever you order is, is a good good decision, but uh, legacy.hockey, uh, we'd ask that you uh, go there and, and uh, we, like I said, we can personalize this uh, baby for you. Yeah. And it is, it, is, it is fun seeing the orders come in and then people kind of have asking us how to sign it in particular ways. It, that's, it's really fun for us to connect with, with readers and fans that way. So we really enjoy seeing that. And, and uh, the other thing is, we, we had a lot of stories we wrote or wanted to write couldn't fit in a book. You know, it could only be sure. so big, right? So yeah. we're putting those stories up on the site as well. I mean, we're putting we're posting one today on on uh, Rob McClanahan and his great Moundsby team undefeated in the tournament. What year was that, David? That's David's story. Seventy six. Seventy six, and uh, so we're writing about kind of the the tragic ending at the tournament for. For those guys uh, losing right away in, in the first round, so there's a lot of uh, turning time like stories. We're calling them turning time teasers. They're on that site as well. Okay, awesome. The last one here. Why don't you guys? Uh, who do you who do you got for 2020? You guys have seen <laughs> you've seen some uh, some hockey so far. Is there is there a team that you if you could you were going to write a 76 chapter about? Do you who do you feel like might be uh, who might be the champion come March? And take oh. into take into account Jackson Blake is going to play for Eden Prairie <laughs> in two weeks. Yeah, so I, I'm calling that the most anticipated varsity debut in high school hockey history. How does that sound? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like Eden Prairie. Uh, yeah. uh, Batch has been hurt. He'll come back. Uh, they've got six Division One players in all. And once Blake starts playing, and and that's. <laughs> pretty good group of talent. No one has the upper end talent they have. Now, whether they can put it all together, we know, we've all, we all know there's yeah. upsets of, of plenty and things can happen, but I like Eden Prairie, and if I could pick a, a 1B, I really like Andover and the way they play. So those, those are my two uh, favorites in, among the big schools. Yeah, I, I can't go any other different direction other than to say, I, 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 and I have nothing against the Luthies, Grand Rapids, anybody else coming out of Section 7, but I would like to see Andover get through I think they have one of the best players in the state and defenseman Wyatt Kaiser. And the other thing I'd like to see, I'd like to see White Bear Lake get in there, and I'd like to see them win on Thursday <laughs> and play on Friday night. You know, let's, let's again, nothing against Hill Murray or anybody else in Section 4, but, you know, let's see them put that whole thing to bed and, and get in that Friday night game and, and, you know, let the town of White Bear Lake rejoice. Well, it uh, it's a special day, David, for you as well, because I see that uh, uh, St. Paul Govey, Carl Fish that? commits to the University of Minnesota. So, a lot that of, was awesome. Uh, that's a long time coming, I guess. So, uh, at least twenty years, yeah. Yeah, holy moly! So, 
thanks guys for for joining us and, and sharing uh you know sharing some aspects of the book and i know we're all excited to see it and uh maybe we'll, maybe we'll get uh autograph line going at the state high school league uh, hockey tournament yeah, you'll be able to find us on the concourse in the <laughs> River Center, not Ooh. the Excel Center, Ooh, but okay. the River Center, near the uh, escalator that takes you down to the Hockey Expo. We'll okay. be up in that area. Uh, and so, yeah, please stop by and, and not only come to buy a book, but, hey, share a story or two of your own because, like you said, Eric, there, there'll be another cop. I plan to do this on the 100-year version. Uh, Lauren, Lauren will still be going. Right? So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep, keep, the story, keep those good stories coming. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great one. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.